Thanks, Holly. Good morning, everybody. We're gradually kind of dragging ourselves into the right direction here. What I love when we get together like this is that it's family, yeah? That we're all just coming in, reconnecting, spending time catching up. That's exactly what we want to see. On the other hand, we also want to all focus together on the Father who's made us a family and on uh, what he's up to so that we can be part of it. So there's that just acknowledging the tension. <laughs> we want to give lots of flexibility and start late and stuff like that, but we also want to all gather and uh, be together. So I think you all know that we're Mark and Jane, and um, yeah. <laughs> and we're kind of steering what's going on around here as much as anybody does uh, in obedience to the Holy Spirit. So welcome, and I think you're going to start us off, right? So welcome. Good morning. Good morning. And um, I, I'm just going to say I feel like, you know, as the leaders here, we've sort of driven the bus to the river's edge this morning, and you have all come with us, and you all get to play. So it's don't all look at us. Look at him, and and you have the freedom. We're gonna we're going to start with some testimonies. We're going to um, have some worship, and I and I feel like it's not about the front it's about you stepping in this is really our river um, if you want to come and and just be like a kid that's what he said this morning is like come into the river this river is for all his children so the invitation is to come into the river and you may actually want to just be quietly on the bank you might want to be just stepping in or you might want to be floating or you might want to be just jumping in it's all good it's like Saturday freedom at the you know everyone gets to do something different so just a welcome in the spirit for all of that and we're so thankful that uh, we have two beautiful boys here and well and another little one on the way I'm not sure little girl okay very good excellent and so we have a busy kitchen so if anyone would like something cooked for them you know that's great too very good so um, I'm going to start by asking Sherry to come forward please <laughs> So look, he's smiling. <laughs> so, no, she's not. So, so I want to just thank Sherry because um, Sherry is so faithful and consistent, and 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 she's had this desire. She um, had a Christmas present that was a carpet cleaner, and um, so she has come and cleaned all our carpets, and that's a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot of work. And so I just want to, in front of everyone, just thank you. Well, you're quite welcome. <laughs> so our river's really clean water today. <laughs> so thank you so much. All right. All right. Um, oh, wait, 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 wait. Quick. Um, sometimes, sometimes God asks us to do something... And um, we do it in obedience. And um, but then there's you want to say that? So sometimes you know, as believers, we we can either feel embarrassed or 
um, just cornered or something like that. And of course, when we're here with everybody else, we don't feel like that. No, no, I don't feel like that. But sometimes when it comes to push and shove that you actually do feel like, I don't want to say or... And so Jerry just has a, a quick testimony on being obedient. Sometimes it's really easy to give a testimony to the Lord. Like in church, it's really easy because people are going to believe you and they're going to accept it. And sometimes when we're out there in the world, it's not so easy. So after the Lord has stretched out my leg, grew a little bit there, I was... Her legs are even now. Oh, yeah. Now I have two legs that are the same length. <laughs> but anyway... Just uh, say that again. I have two legs that are the same length. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yes, I felt it grow, and I watched it grow. And anyway, a Super Bowl Sunday, some of you have already heard this. Um, the Lord kept telling me, stand up and tell your children about your leg. And I, besides Renee, who is a believer, the rest are, are coming along. <laughs> so anyway, I kept saying, no, they're going to laugh at me. He said, stand up and tell them about your leg. I said, no. Third time, I said, all right. So I jumped up, and I said, oh, guess what happened to me? And I told them real quick about how my leg grew, and they go, they started laughing out loud, jeering at me, saying, oh, yeah, right, sure. Why, why didn't the lady pray for somebody else? Why did she pray for your leg? Why didn't she pray for God? So why didn't she? I said, oh, you know, she didn't. And I just said, I was ready to cry. And I said, God's going to give you dreams, because he's given my daughter dreams before when she's accused me of things and, and set her straight, and she's come to apologize to me. I said, God's going to give you dreams and visions, and he's going to talk to you, and you're going to understand. And I sat down, and I looked at the TV, and I didn't move. So I didn't, I didn't know, but Renee's in the background telling my 12-year-old grandson, he's saying, is this true? She goes, of course it is. It can happen. So he goes and sits on the stairs and looks at me and just looks at me. He looks so depressed. He says, Grandma, stand up. So I stood up, and he comes over, and he eyes me up and down, looks at my legs. He goes, I believe God can do that. And I said, oh, thank you. And I just hugged him. I said, because he did. And so then it was like, God had me do it for that one person, and I didn't want to do it. So when you're out in public and you know people are going to make fun of you, do what the God says to do because it's for the one. You know, he left the 99 for the one. So sometimes it's uncomfortable. We might get mocked. We might get laughed. But, you know, Jesus got mocked a lot, too. So 1 Peter says, Christ suffered and died for sins once and for all, the innocent for the guilty, to bring you and me near to God by his body being put to death and being raised to life by the Spirit. So Jesus took, there was suffering with Jesus, and I was actually thinking this morning, what was that suffering? Some of it's physical, right? Some of it is just the emotion, but some of it is the mocking and all of that. So I just felt that that was, um, that he took all that. He knows all of that. We have Jan back. Jan. We want to hear a little bit about what's been going on for Jan, and then we're going to do some worship. Okay, so I've got s going to have some questions. I'm just going to ask you some things. Actually, yeah. Over the course of the four months that I was in Iowa and um, all the experiences that you showed me, 
all the, the, the miraculous signs in the heavens and that you would bring out the nuggets that, that are for this morning that will minister to people here. And Lord, I claim whatever you did in Iowa that you're doing here and you're doing for everyone that can hear this testimony. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right, so what was happening for you <laughs> a year ago and how was that affecting you? So um, my husband and I have been married uh, for, gosh, since 88. So that's what, 35, going on 36 years. And we were both partiers and um, just out of control. That's all I can say. We were both out of control. And my life turned around because I let God change my life. And he came in, and it was a radical transformation, so radical. And my husband did the same, but he didn't lay down the drinking. And so I thought I was marrying someone who laid down drinking, but he didn't. So it was very obvious the first few weeks that he was still drinking, and he had been drinking, and it was a stronghold in his life, and he was a prisoner. But God allowed me to see his heart and see who he was behind the shroud of this alcoholism, but it didn't make it any easier. And uh, he's 69 now, and as he got older, the addiction got more and more control over him. So he started getting sick physically and falling down and driving, you know, intox severely intoxicated. And he came home and fell down in the driveway. And my son and I said, we're done. We're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to enable you. And that's what I had been doing. I'd been enabling him. So I asked him to move out and he moved out amicably. And so we were separated. And my heart was, I was good. I was like, okay, Lord, you deal with him. And um, so I pretty much put a guard around my heart, like, he's not going to hurt me anymore. He's not in here anymore. He's not in my circle. But the Lord said, you, you need to forgive him. Huh. I was like, okay, Lord, forgive him. So I did as an act of my will. I forgave him. It didn't feel great, but I did it. And little did I know was that was critical to the next part, and that's why I ended up in Iowa. So that's the next question, right? How I ended up in Iowa. So my husband, one of the things that was so detrimental to our relationship was he was never honest with me, ever. He was never honest. He lied about everything. And it was the addiction. It was, it was the addiction because I have to cover my tracks. I have to, I can't tell her the truth. But Holy Spirit in me always told me the truth. I always knew what he was doing. I knew where he was, I knew what he was doing, I knew where, you know, where the money was going. It was never, never questioned because Holy Spirit was always talking to me. And so he um, kept a secret from all his doctors. And he went to Iowa to get a hip, hip replaced. That's what he needed. He needed a hip replacement. They wouldn't do it here because his platelets were too low and his enzymes were too high, his liver enzymes. And so he deceived them and went and got, got surgery. So everything was good. It was less than an hour. He came out of surgery, but he was acting really odd, like, like he didn't know where he was. He didn't know who he was. He was, he was acting childlike, and it, that was disturbing. So what had happened was his um, liver was at stage four cirrhosis, so it wasn't working. So all of the anesthesia was trying to get through and be filtered through the, the liver, but it couldn't. So he was filling up with 
ammonia, which caused the confusion, and blood, because he was bleeding. He was bleeding internally, but we didn't know until he started throwing up blood. They had to intubate him. They rushed him to, you know, uh, another hospital. They still didn't know he had cirrhosis, so they were, like, trying all these things, and it was, it was very long. So what I thought was going to be a short, a short, you know, let's have surgery, come home, ended up being four months. So, so how did, what happened in your heart? So I just, I just want to tell you that if I could put a title on this, I would call this the fruit of forgiveness. And I would say that God quickly said to me, obedience, or in Matthew he calls it mercy, is better than sacrifice. So the obedience of me forgiving my husband, was a, it turned out to be the gift for me because I could not have gone for four months and taken care of him and been there given up my life and, you know, slept in hospitals and without having a pure heart, a heart that wasn't bitter and angry and unforgiving towards him. And that the obedience of me going has a ripple effect. It wasn't just for Mike and I. And I knew that quickly that it wasn't about us. It was about the people in his life that needed to see God's mercy and transformation. So, um, so his, his generation and then your own children. Right. right. So um, I, guess, I guess what I could say is that the prayers that I prayed didn't come when I thought they, I wanted a more immediate response, <laughs> you know, but he heard them, and he collected them, and he saved them. And then at that moment, and it came very suddenly. So I encourage you all, if you are praying for people or you're praying about something in your own life, I believe we're into the season of suddenlies, like it's going to happen. And it's not, not going to look like you at all thought it was going to look like. Like, did I, did I anticipate any of this? No, none of this. But my heart is so, I love my husband more than I ever have. And he loves me more, and I, I love the real person. He asked me to marry him again, and he got down on one knee. The first time I asked him, so this time he got down, on, and it was hard this time. He had to use a pillow. It was just like, oh, he got down. And, he, and so for me, that was a marker moment, and it was a, something, a monument that I wanted to remember because the Israelites did that. And so this ring doesn't matter how much it costs or what it is um it it's it's showing that after everything we went through i still hung in there and i still love this man and i loved him when he was shrouded in this addiction but i love him you know but i love the man inside and that he is he willingly got down on one knee to choose to marry me again so that's you know after everything we've been through like it's a miracle. It's just, I, I mean, it's just truly a miracle. So forgiveness, this is so amazing. So forgiveness has led to surrendered lives. And prayers have been sown in tears. But there's, there's joy now, right, Jen? And so yeah. thank you so much. So me personally, I will say this. Um, some of the things that I didn't anticipate that I received, it came from the obedience um, I know my authority. I know my authority. 
I know I have authority because of Jesus. I know how to use it. And I used it a lot during this course of four months because they'd say, his organs are shutting down. He's, he's, he's going to die. And I'd say, no, because God said live. And so I had to, so God spoke, but I had to agree and, and I, had, I had to do my part because we're partners with him. And so the second thing is that um, when I start my days now, it's quite different. It's what's on your heart, Lord? What, what do you want for today? So that, and, and I say, take, take what's in my hand, Lord. You gave it to me anyway, but take this. And I know he's going to bring multiplication. He's going he's gonna to multiply. So it's just my little life, my little hand, what's in my little hand. But it's not because with him it's multiplied. And so I think that's just a new, that's a new place for me. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. That's amazing. That's so good, right? Well, who's ready to worship? Because we have a God who does, this has been miracles that we've just seen in our lives. It's, it's a miracle story. There's a, a grandbaby on the way. There's all sorts of hope. And I feel like today is a... So beautiful to focus our hearts on his presence. This is something that we've been treasuring. Well, always since we've been a church family, but particularly in this new year. To acknowledge and welcome and pursue and treasure God's presence. he loves to be present not just with each of us individually in our daily lives but more specifically when we gather together like this and so it's beautiful to acknowledge that you're right where you belong a purpose and a plan and to let him mess with you <laughs> to let him get his hand on the bits and pieces that are not quite how they should be parts of life that are not going quite how God designed them to. Because in case you hadn't noticed, you don't have the skill or the power or the talent to fix that stuff. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> but he does. And that's why we gather like this, is to give him room to do that stuff. I had all kinds of stuff prepared, but I'm just kind of, well, I'm walking on water, I guess. But, but had you noticed that God will use the people around you for his plans and his purposes, 
both to show you that he's here for you and also to help you recognize the stuff in yourself that needs to change and only he can change it. <laughs> That's the beauty of being a church family. I guarantee you that there will be times where the person sitting next to you or the person in front of you or the person standing here talking to you is going to offend you or step on your pride or say something to you that you're going to take wrong and 99% of the time it won't be because they intended to it'll be because there's something in you that God's like um, notice this? Because God wants to deal with it. But here's the beautiful thing about the Gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit is that the very person who offends you or helps you to see something in yourself that needs to change can be the one who can actually be God's instrument to change it. If we simply let go of trying to be perfect in our own strength and be His kids we can get along at the playground. I had a beautiful little illustration of this this week. Roger and I went to the playground at the park in Conway with Caleb, just because we wanted to catch up. And, you know, and there's there's all these kids running around, and every now and again there's a from some corner because somebody's taken something somebody else wanted, or stepped on something, or got in the way, or whatever. And then the beautiful thing is, for kids, just seconds later, it's all great again. And I think part of what God's up to this morning is encouraging every one of us to let go of how adult we've become, where we hold on to offences. <laughs> That's why I think it's beautiful we started with Jan's testimony about the power of forgiveness and trusting God and waiting for God to do what only God can do. <laughs> and then testifying about it so that the rest of us can step into it as well. You see, what God is doing in your life as you let it be seen is valuable to everybody else around you. You were not designed to do this on your own. Now I know there's a number of us in this room and I'm not going to expose anybody but there's a number of us in this room really struggling with stuff right now. And that's okay. Because God has put you in a place where he knows and he's surrounded you with other people as well as his presence and the two together will be the solution. Now the problem is they won't be the solution in the shape you want it or the timing you want it because he's God and you're not. His way's better. Absolutely. I'm nearly 62 and I've only learned that in the last five to ten years. I wish I'd learned it sooner. But we exist as a church family to demonstrate <laughs> that God's way is the best way and that God knows what he's doing and that he designed us to be in community with one another. You see, there are several things, and sorry, I'm just rambling here, but I think this is all helpful and we're going to take communion before we close. But And if you need to sit down, you can sit down. If you want to stand up, you can stand up. But could you put up that slide for me, Holly, please? That, that one that really just summarizes who you're amazing. This is who we are. 
we exist to be a safe place to meet with God and become who you're created to be and give his love away to others. That's beautifully messy and wonderfully powerful and exactly what this whole world needs. There are so many people struggling because they don't feel safe and they don't feel they belong. And I trust that whenever you gather here, you feel safe and you feel you belong. And if you don't, it's probably my fault, in which case I want to ask you to forgive me. But let's talk about it and let's be real about it so we can fix it, because that's what we want. That's what God's put us here for. But becoming who you're created to be is a journey, isn't it? Anybody know that? <laughs> yeah. I've been on this journey for a very long time, but finally it's beginning to work. And I actually feel more comfortable with who I'm meant to be now than I've ever done. And that's my longing for every one of us. Our longing for every one of us. Sorry, when I say I, I mean we. Because 30, nearly 36 years ago, somebody said, those whom God has joined together, let nobody separate. So I means we with Jane and me. Always has, always will. I chased a squirrel. I don't know where I was going originally with that. But this is a safe place to meet with God and become who you're created to be. And the way that works is that first your heart has to say, I'm going to try this. I'm in. As I look around the room, I see a lot of people who've said, yes, I'm in. But you know what i found? And this might be true for you too, I'm not saying it is, but what i found is that every time I say I'm in, something about my need to be in control goes but, 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 and I back away again. Right? <laughs> That's a test for every one of us. Because you know what? You're not designed to be in control. That came in in Genesis 3 when we listened to the lie that you've got to do things yourself. <laughs> it's a lie. God created you to do stuff with him and with his people. Being in control of myself is incompatible with in interaction with all of you. <laughs> it's taken me a long time to learn that, but I'm glad I did. I don't know if any of this is making any sense, but I think somewhere God's after something in each of us. I thought for the longest time I had to fix myself before I would be acceptable to God. Maybe you've said that to yourself, but I want to tell you what that is. That's religion. That's man's effort to get to God. And the good news called the gospel that this book is all about, this library of books is all about, is that you don't have to get to God. God's come to you. And amazingly, only God could do this, he's not put off by the stink of you trying to do it yourself. <laughs> he's not put off by my 
greed or my control or my selfishness or any of that. As the song sang, you pursue me. And God wants every one of us to be secure in our comprehension of our sonship. When I say sonship, I mean that you relate to God just the same way as Jesus does. That God sees you through the same lens as he sees Jesus. That God's love for you is just as strong as his love for Jesus. We're a safe place to meet with God and become who you're created to be. Every one of us has scars and wounds and stuff in our lives, whether it's self-inflicted or inflicted by others, and that's the power of forgiveness. It washes away all of that stuff. And that's how you become who you're created to be. It's by rubbing up against one another. Every one of you in this room has an anointing from God that other people around you need for you to rub off on them. You are not complete in yourself. You need all those other people around you to rub off on you. That's why we call this a family. It's because it's not going to go away. It's going to be safe and a place of healing and a place of release and a place of fulfillment. Incidentally, that's why we host Father Heart Schools. It's why we host visiting speakers who agree and understand and carry this anointing to bring people into the fullness of who they were made to be. So when Dan and Gwen are here this Wednesday, I encourage you to be here and to bring friends because they carry such a childlike anointing for simply being who God's made you to be. And I would love for every one of you to have a prayer from Dan and Gwen to step more fully into who you're made to be. But also, every one of you is unique. And we need you to be you, not to be anybody else. That's what I love about Crystal's gift of being able to explain to you from God what your name means, how God has planned for you to be you. And it, she literally, she does crystallize your identity <laughs> and it's beautiful and so amazing that your name is crystal to be able to do that right <laughs> that's why I do life languages so most of you have done your life language profiles your, your profile is unique to you it's as unique as your fingerprint but at the same time it's the same seven components everybody's got and so once you understand yourself you can adapt to other people that's why we can be a family so every one of us learns to adapt in the power of the Holy Spirit to the needs of those around us. But every one of us also learns to receive from those around us to make us more whole and step more fully into who we're made to be. This is so much in contradiction to what religion will tell you. Where you've got to look the right way and do the right thing and, and say the right stuff. And if, you're not, if you don't comply, you're on the outside. God says, no, you belong. And you need to believe you belong. Because that's what will change you. So I've no idea where all this is going to land, but I think that what God is after is for each of us to say yes to who we're meant to be. 
and to agree with God that he's placed you in relationships that will help that to happen. That's what I love about what Sherry said. God has placed her in relationships that have enabled that to happen. Your physical healing came out of the relationships that God has placed you in and it becomes a testimony to give his love away to others which is the final part of our whole statement of who we are and why we're here. So your grandson got a revelation because of your receiving what God had for you that came out of the relationships you've built in the family of God where they care for you enough to keep praying. Now, you've been in this church from the beginning, but six years in, you get healed. You've been in this church from almost the beginning, but six years in, your marriage is being restored. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it happens quick. In the context of eternity, it's all quick. <laughs> and it's all good. Carol, we've been praying for you for the longest time, and until John and Carol were here, you hadn't been able to get that movement. You know? Physical healing again. Don't have your own agenda, but submit to God's agenda with trust, with faith, with hope, but with others around you to help that happen. It's very hard for any of us to have enough hope and enough faith on our own. But together, we hold each other's arms up like was it Aaron and her holding up Moses' arms as they won the battle? Like Jesus having his close group of disciples around him, who right the way till the very end were there for him. They blew it in the, in the last few hours, but they were there. Every one of us has special people in our lives that God has put there to help you on the journey. But the most important thing is he never lets us go. said enough but I'm sure that something I've said has touched your heart so I'd like us just to be quiet for a moment while Jane continues to play and just let Holy Spirit underline in your heart what are you saying yes to that life and 
and I'm going to go break the, the bread in just a moment to remember what Jesus has completed for us. You see, the work of Jesus is complete. Our receiving of it is what we continue to do so that he completes in us what he's planned in us. Thank you, Jane. You can break the bread. So come and receive the elements. And then what I'd like is some of our Freedom and Wholeness team just to come and stand across the front here because when you've received the communion elements, just say thank you to God and receive it for yourself. Come and receive prayer for more of the Holy Spirit to complete what he's doing in your life. Some of us will be standing across the front here to pray for you. And that's how we'll wrap it up for today. So come across to the table, receive the elements, and then come and get prayer for more of the Holy Spirit in your life to fulfill his plans in you and through you. Let me just also say that next Sunday will be a little different to normal. I mean, whatever normal is, as you've noticed, there isn't any normal anymore. But we will be having more speaking and less worship. So if you are planning to come during the worship so you could stay in bed a little longer or get something else done on the way, you will be disappointed next week. We will have teaching from the Father Heart School. So make sure you get here. Come for 10 for prayer. Um, we will begin at 10.30 and you will miss out if you're late. So just wanted you to be warned about that so you didn't get shocked. Come and receive communion and come and receive prayer and we'll be dismissed whenever God is done with what God wants to do in your lives.